Today we're starting a series that's called Raising the Dead, the Greatest Commandment. Raising the Dead isn't the greatest commandment, but, and I'm going to talk, I may talk about that a little bit later, but when Jesus was asked this question, out of all the things that he might have said, he said these two things. He brought together two teachings that then become the centerpiece of the Christian faith at least how we're supposed to practice it. So I thought that it would be really awesome for, for us as a congregation to have people who either lead organizations or who, or who participate in organizations that we support, that we are part of, either by offering space to them or by financial, financial support, uh, that sort of thing, that help us love our neighbor. And by loving our neighbor, love God. And so today, um, I want to introduce to you a very dear friend of mine. His name is Tom Leahy. And Tom, you want to go ahead and come up. He is the founder of the Beacon Tree Foundation. And uh, I'm not going to tell you too much about what Beacon Tree does, because I think Tom will probably tell you uh, quite a bit about that. But I've asked him... I've asked him uh, to come and to talk about the Beacon Tree Foundation. I happen to be vice president of the board of Beacon Tree, so as you can tell, this is very near and dear to my heart, the work that they do. Part of the reason why we ask the children to leave is because Tom may share some stories from his personal life that uh, we thought maybe the kids didn't need to hear this morning. Um, so I just want you to know that we, we're going to share some real stuff here, uh, like we always do. But just want you to know that, that um, what the Beacon Tree Foundation does, we deal with some pretty serious stuff. And so we just want you to be, be aware of that. But I'm just so glad to have Tom here. And I'm just going to turn the floor over to you. So I'm very happy to be here to share the story of Beacon Tree with you. Thank you. A um, couple of just notes I want to uh, pass on before I get started is uh, full, uh, full disclosure. I was, I was raised Lutheran. But for the past 40 years, I've been going to Mass with my wife. So I guess you have to say I'm Catholic. And I just figured out that pretty well sticks because I keep wanting to call your pastor Father Joel. I don't know. <laughs> so just have to deal with that. Um, normally when I do this, I just start talking. And we'll see where that goes. Um, and as I get older, that gets really entertaining. Uh, but I thought because there's so much I want to share with you today, and I know you want to get out of here before lunch, that maybe I should be a little more organized. So with your indulgence, I'm going to speak from notes. All right. Um, the other thing is, too, I'm going to tell you about my story, about my family. Okay. And this is the part I kind of struggle with. And, and it's not, I'm not going to get emotional. Well, maybe a little. Um, I'm not going to start crying. My wife and I did plenty of that when we were dealing with my daughter's illnesses years ago, but they're all adults now. I can have two grandchildren. Okay, so this, I don't want this to be about me, Diana, our family, my kids. I want, this is about other families and other children. Okay, I tell you the stories uh, of, of my daughters because they're not unique. The fact that all three of them are in one family, that might be unique, but the stories are not unique. These stories happen every day in, in every neighborhood, in every community uh, across this country. So, um, let us begin. So, 
you know, for the, for the better part of of my adult life, um, I have to be honest. I wasn't a very nice guy. I really wasn't. Um, I was focused on one thing, and I was getting ahead, um, climbing the ranks. Um, I did nothing if I didn't see some benefit in it for me. Selfishly, I was angered by anyone who asked me for a donation or a handout. In fact, I was resentful of putting money in the collection plate every Sunday. When we were out in the community with my young family, I would look with disdain on other families that had older kids that are having issues, thinking that my family was perfect, my kids were an example to others. I was, I was really self-righteous and arrogant, I mean, to be honest, you know. And then I found myself driving the streets of Richmond at 2 or 3 in the morning with my wife, looking for my 16-year-old daughter, dragging her out of some apartment, drunk or stoned, nursing her back to sobriety, only to repeat the cycle again several days later. At 17, she had a complete breakdown, and through that recovery process, we discovered that what we thought was a teenager out of control turned out to be a young woman fighting the pain and self-medicating, depressed and self-loathing because she'd been sexually assaulted when she was 14. The shame and guilt of that did not allow her to tell us, and we had no clue until it brought her down. Through homeschooling, the last half of her high school senior year, she was able to graduate, but she could not stay in our home, that house that reminded her of the pain uh, of, of that rape. So with $200 in her pocket, she left for New York City in the fall of 2004. We didn't know if we'd see her again, but she was alive. Less than nine months later, our second daughter was in the throes of severe clinical depression, which began manifesting, manifesting itself the summer after eighth grade. She began cutting, turned to the goth culture as things got worse. She left the soccer uh, Olympic development program unable to and unmotivated to play anymore. By Christmas, she had transformed from a loving young woman into a monster. She swore at us, spit on us, attacked us and her younger daughter, or our younger daughter. She hurt herself. She tore her hair out in hunks. She would scratch herself bloody. Yes, we had every sharp object in the house locked up and medicine, but she still managed to try to commit suicide three times that we know of before we threw in the towels that we can't do this anymore. At 3.30 on the morning of May 5th, 2005, a private detective and a registered nurse came into our home at our request. With nothing but a backpack and a few personal items, they escorted her to a residential treatment facility in Syracuse, Utah, where she stayed for 18 months and then transferred to a therapeutic boarding school in Siler City, North Carolina, where she graduated from high school in May 2008. We were told she would always be on antidepressants, but she was alive. It was about that time our youngest daughter began to display signs of anxiety, which turned suddenly to an eating disorder in ninth grade. The accompanied low self-esteem, a hallmark of depression, led her to do anything to have friends, especially boyfriends. Her promiscuity became an addiction, and after having been pushed from a moving car by a suitor, she developed a borderline personality disorder. Her artistic acumen that landed her a full scholarship at VCU School of Arts lasted less than two years. She then fell out, unable to cope with daily living. She underwent special dialectic behavioral therapy to learn how to cope with her borderline circumstance. It would be part of her forever. 
but she was alive. No, I wasn't very nice. And then life kicked me on my ass, like Saul, who was knocked off his and blinded and became Paul and learned to see again through God's eyes. I was blind, and my, through my daughter's struggles, I learned to see. I'm not a saint. My wife will quickly tell you that. But I had an epiphany, and she will tell you that as well. Things that were so important then, old, no store for me now. I'm a different man. And Diana and I came to understand through that experience that we were being prepared for something. And so we had this idea. Now, some 10 years, 10 years ago, um, we based it on our view that raising a child with mental illness should not be so frustrating, should not be so difficult or exhausting, should not be so financially devastating. We had this idea, and we called it Beacon Tree. Diane and I don't have master's degree in psychology or PhDs in psychiatry. We're just parents, parents that have experienced the hell of mental illness firsthand, who carry those emotional and financial scars, parents who have fought to save their children and now fight to save others. Today we have a group of passionate, dedicated folks, moms and dads who have joined us in that fight. So I'd love only to talk to you about hope and redemption. But the reality is that I must first talk to you about tragedy and crisis, a dialogue about what has become a cultural epidemic of violence, a dialogue about how we as a Christian community must respond for our children, and a dialogue about Beacon Tree Foundation, an organization founded to educate, advocate, and financially assist families struggling with a child who's emotionally disturbed or mentally ill. For me, mental illness is the perfect Pandora's box. The manifestations and consequences are nothing less than horrible, even evil. It would be great that we could keep all that stuff in the box with the lid on, under wraps, boxed and harmless, so we don't have to talk about it or think about it. No, but somebody opened the box. And if you know the story, you know that once the box is open and its horrible contents released, you can't put it back. So we try to pretend it doesn't exist, or we hide in fear. And it's terrifying. It's scary because it has no shape, no color. You can't mend it with a cast or close it up with a suture. You can't isolate it under a microscope or seed it with an x-ray. It's a ghost, and it's a matrix of genetic predisposition, environmental triggers, and harmful, even monstrous manifestations. The severity and breath from minor attention deficit disorder and severe depression and schizophrenia from lack of productivity to murder and suicide. It's messy and it's ugly. The experts think they understand the, the medical aspects. There's drugs that may help for what's going on in the brain. And there's therapy to address underlying issues of depression. But it's an inexact science at best, even especially in uh, young people, because the brain's still developing. Hormones are out of control. But what's not in question is its ability to debilitate, its ability to destroy families, and its ability to kill. And until you stare it in the face, you can't begin to imagine or understand the hellish road these troubled young people travel. We need to remember that they did not ask to be monsters. But I guarantee you, if we treat them as such, if labeled as such, they will surely accommodate our greatest fears. The future for so many of these children is the street, jail, or suicide. One in five children are suffering from some form of depression or mental illness. Only 20% of children with problems are ever identified and diagnosed and treated. Suicide is now the number one killer in young women. 18% of young people die each year, take their own lives. 15% die of overdose. 16% from homicide. 23% from motor vehicle accidents attributed to drugs and alcohol. 
only 5% die of cancer. It's, a tragic, it's tragic to lose even one child. But the truth of the matter is, our children are not dying of disease. They're killing each other, and they're killing themselves. And until we put aside the stigma so families can openly disclose their struggles without fear of being judged, condemned, or ostracized, until they're able to openly find assistance and treatment in an environment of support, and yes, love, the epidemic of lost potential, self-harm, and violence will continue. Last year, Beacon Tree participated in 55 educational advocacy events toward this end. And if a parent were to divide the stigma and come forward to find help for their child, then what? Are services accessible? Accessible? Having to make 50 phone calls to help find uh, assistance for your child who's in crisis is unbearable. The mental health community is not user-friendly. Beacon Tree Foundation is proud to have been a leader in the development of the Children's Mental Health Resource Center here in town. A gateway for families and a friendly voice on the other end of the phone, providing guidance and support. One phone call, not 50, it's first and most important step. But what about cost? As parents, we like to decree that you can't put a price on your child's health. That's easily said, and almost everyone agrees with that statement, but for many families faced with the daunting cost of long-term treatment for their troubled teenager, those words ring hollow because they don't have the financial resources or the credibility to back them up. For some, the ability to even pay for a psychological evaluation is out of reach. There is a huge funding gap that exists for the treatment of mental illness. Medicaid requirements limit those who can qualify, and Medicaid limits services to those providers that are Medicaid-funded. Private insurance covers outpatient services and short-term stabilization, but unlike Medicaid, does not cover intensive in-home therapy that has often proven very successful and keeps the child in the home rather than considering long-term private inpatient facilities costing upwards of 100000 a year. If you're wealthy, it's not an issue, but many families find themselves destroying their life savings and retirement to save their child, or they watch helplessly as their child implodes. That's just wrong. Last year, Beacon Tree financially supported 20 families so they could access the care the child needed. And there are many more who need our help. Consider the social and economic impact of mental illness. It's astounding. Nationally, we know that 56% of our inmates in our prisons have mental issues that contributed to their incarceration. And we spend $38 billion each year in this country keeping them there. Early intervention and treatment, critical in short-circuiting the cycle of mental illness, would have saved many of those men and women and they'd be productive citizens today. So the story of Pandora's box tells us that the spirit of hope was left in the bottom of that box. Beacon Tree is that hope for the mentally ill. Our vision is seamless care for every child, access to services they need, and supplemental funding to ensure they can pay. But we find ourselves at the epicenter of the current political firestorm. I'm not here to debate gun laws, though I can assure you that if not guns, it would be other, some other form of violence. So what do we do? We can build fortresses only to live in fear. We can go on a witch hunt only to victimize our own children. We can commit taxes only to create more bureaucracy. In the wake of Park, the Parkland shooting, mental illness, the core of most violence, was part of the conversation for maybe three days. Gun laws, locks, sirens, those are easy conversations. Mental illness is ugly and intangible. We can bury our heads in the sand, 
of denial and be distracted by political rhetoric, or as responsible Christian people, we can come together and determine that as a community, we are going to change our attitudes and how we think about and how we address mental illness. Together with Beacon Tree, we can be a voice of hope in the darkness of that empty box for one child, then another, and another. And together, we will make a loud noise that will shatter stigma. We can get down in the weeds, in the mud, in the blood, and get our hands dirty helping one family, then another, and another. And that's what Beacon Tree is. That's who we are, and that's what we do. And that's what your personal and financial support provides, hope. Hope and healing, one child, then another, and another. Hope for families in crisis and for children who have done unspeakable harm to themselves and others. Redemption and a way out of the darkness. In closing, I'd like to pray, Lord, for those here this morning, for our communities and our nation, grant us the strength, the wisdom, and the courage to tear away the dark shroud of ignorance, prejudice, and fear, so we may embrace those who suffer from mental illness in the bright light of understanding, compassion, and love. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for being here. Let's give Tom a hand. I just want to follow up on that just to tell you how, how Westminster is involved. One is because I'm involved and I'm your pastor. So that's one way we're involved. <laughs> Second way is, is that we, um, we host the, the board meetings for the Beacon Tree Foundation. And we are also next week hosting, hosting the training of uh, a number of school counselors. Um, I think up to 12 or so uh, schools, 12, 12 to 18 school counselors who are going to be bringing a program um, from Canada into the United States for the very first time into two high schools this year, this fall uh, here in Richmond. It'll be a pilot program for the country. And this program is called Preventure. And what it does is it, it identifies four risk factors um, that, that often lead to, um, you know, depression or, or, or extreme risk-taking, uh, those sorts of things. And it identifies, you come in, you assess all the, all the students in the school, and about half of them will qualify because they will test high in one of these areas. And then they have two 90-minute classes with trained facilitators to teach them how to deal with these particular areas in their life. And what they've seen so far, and, this, and the research is really, really good, but what, they, what they're measuring is, is after the fact, drug and alcohol use. And in those schools where this has been done, between 30, there's a 30, between 30 and 80% reduction in drug and alcohol use across the school after this. Now, they haven't tested, are there fewer suicides? Are there fewer people depressed? Are there, because that's a lot harder to test, apparently. But the statistics are good, and we're very hopeful about this particular program because not, not only do we want to help families sort of on the, on the end when they go, I think we have a problem, we want to begin helping before there's a problem. And so, so it's really awesome. And so, and so, those, so we're going to, we're offering space for them to train, um, those trainers here. It would cost a lot more to, to have to, you know, rent a place to, to train these folks. Um, and it's going to be a pilot program. So we hope as, as Beacon Tree that it will, that will continue to roll out. VCU is really looking at this, looking at grants to do that, to partner with us, to bring this more into the whole country. 
Um, so I just wanted to, I wanted to tell you how we are involved with that. And you can be involved as well, of course. Um, and, you know, it's an invitation. If this touches your heart, one, there's an event on the 28th of April uh, called Trees of Hope. And, it, it, and it's really almost a celebration and reflection time. We're going to have some stories from families that we've helped. We're going to have a young man who's right here from Richmond who's becoming sort of locally famous, and he's probably going to be internationally famous. Sometime Brandon Farbstein's going to be our keynote speaker. And so we just love to have you come, hear those stories, and, and, and then decide if that's something you want to be, want to be personally involved with. So, um, and Tom will be here after worship to, for, for you to talk to as well. And now Tom, I mean, Tom, like, well, he was the preacher this morning, I tell you, that was, I wasn't expecting all that, Tom. That's great. Thank you. I want to read this though. From Mark chapter one. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught, and they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Do you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying with a loud voice came out of him. They were all amazed and they kept on asking one another, what is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. And I just briefly want to talk about the fact that we have been given a healing ministry. As people of faith, as those who follow Jesus, we are ones who are to cast out the unclean demons in our society. And the things that I think about as unclean demons are the things that are all around us that we don't really talk about. Like Tom was saying, mental illness, you can't smell it, taste it, or touch it. It's in this very room. There's poverty. There's racism. There's sexism. All of these are things that that permeate our society, and we are called to be those who would help to heal our society. Because these are sicknesses. These are illnesses. And they're killing us. They're killing our people. They're killing the beautiful creation that God has given to us. And it's up to us. God gave us this ministry and the power of the Holy Spirit to do it. I mean, I often question God's wisdom about that. God, would you please just wave your magic wand, please, and take take care of all this? But that's not how it works. It's individuals working together and then congregations working to heal a community. So I just invite you to think about those things that are going on with you. And if you and if you are having a struggle, if you if you have if you're dealing with something, um, please talk to me. Please talk to Tom. Please call the Children's Mental Health Resource Center. They will help you. They will get you where you need to go. They will get you the help that you need. If you know of a family that is like, well, I think I've got some trouble with my child. I just don't know what to do. Call that number. They will help get you to the right people. That is what we need to do to help people get help and to be those agents of healing. So that then we can have children that come in like that. 
smiling and laughing and happy, ready to face the world. We can cast out these unclean demons. Through Jesus, we can change our community and change the world. Amen.